influencers. Let's get bouge. Listen to A. Thompson for an hour. I'd rather fuck a blood relative. It's A. Thompson. Dun, 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 dun. Ah, ladies, gents, beauties, influencers. Uh, how we doing? It's a solo show. It's me. It's you. Um, it's time to look at the soul-crushing world, nay, country, in which we live. And indeed, try to make sense of the senseless. Um, I'm, very, I'm very particular about saying country there not just the world not everywhere is as insane as the united kingdom is right now not everywhere has ex-footballers almost overthrowing the head of its state broadcaster does it <laughs> that is an exclusively british issue at the moment not everywhere has like the governing party i don't know stripping um uh stripping its citizens of their citizenship i don't think that seems like an exclusively British thing as well. Maybe that does happen elsewhere. I don't know. But most batshit of all, not everyone out there has people like Scott Benton in positions of authority. Most countries have people like Scott Benton medicated, don't they? <laughs> but this, this is not most countries. Um, this is Britain. Most countries keep their Scott Bentons in in secure wards, I think, or they give them jobs in a in supermarket car parks, don't they? Collecting trolleys, so they can work and listen to their songs from Blippy album. You know, get their work done without bothering anyone. <laughs> That's how most countries deal with their Scott Bentons. Here, we put them in the House of Commons and take them seriously. For some. For some weird reason. Because this is no normal country. This is the formerly Great Britain. Um, this is a country where people like fucking... What's his name? Guy with the double-breasted suit that shouldn't be wearing a double-breasted suit. Oh, Desmond Swain. That's him. Jonathan Gullis. Lee Anderson. Mark Francois. This, this lot don't just rise up the ranks to govern the country but they are actively celebrated <laughs> by your dad and uncle as people who get it. I heard the other day, getting my hair cut, sat in the barbers. There's this like, um, this old boy sat waiting in the chair with his son and his son was like in his thirties or so. And, and the dad says about Lee Anderson, they're talking about Lee Anderson and the dad says, well, that Lee Anderson, he, he gets it. You know, like I was blown away. <laughs> oh, fuck. Welcome, by the way, guys. Welcome. And uh, and indeed, cheers. He gets it, this guy said. Blown away, I was. Just utterly floor-jawed. Just like my eyes rolled so hard. They went into the back of my skull and this woman had to cut the hair of a guy that looked like he was possessed, <laughs> which I suppose I was in a weird way, like completely taken over with anger and judgment. 
the the calm, peaceful and collected and compassionate personality that is aid was commandeered by a new agent of hate, dear listeners. He gets it. It's just, you know, ah. It's fascinating though, isn't it? It's like it's it's intelligence inverted, right? Because people who do actually understand what's going on, people who do get it, are dismissed as libtards and snowflakes and what, like out of touch lefties was Suella Braverman's one. People who do understand the nuts and bolts of what's going on, they're dismissed as libtards, whereas people who exaggerate, lie, obfuscate, the people who patently don't get it are celebrated by other people who don't get it as people who get it. It's like paradoxical, levels deep idiocy. And then people like you and me, dear listener, we then gawp at Desmond Swain and 30p Lee and his latest fucking burst fire hydrant of nonsense. We balk at that and we go, you know what? If he gets it, if he's got it, I don't want it because <laughs> it appears to affect cognition. That's always the irony for me. You know, here are people whose ideals fall apart on the slightest touch of scrutiny. Like Scott Benton. You know, like I, I don't want to spend too long on him because I think um, uh, I read a couple of tweets that seemed to suggest that James O'Brien had already eviscerated him. Um, I haven't seen those clips, but, you know, it sort of takes the wind out of my sails if I hear that J.O.B. has already pulled Scott Benton apart. It's like fucking, you know, asking Robbie Williams to go on after the actual Rat Pack. You know, <laughs> it'd be like, oh, come on, man, just no, it's done. Let it go. But with old fucking, you know, Betfair Benton, with his speech in the House the other day about the migration bill, you know, put simply, almost every word in his speech was a lie. He's talking about hundreds of millions of people washing up on our shores. He's talking about my constituents can't get a GP appointment. There's like all of your favourite drinking game favourites, right? The country is full. Uh, lefty lawyers, uh, celebrity do-gooders. Like, do, do we need to dismantle this stuff again? Do we? Shall we? Fuck it. Let's let, let's do it. Right. Here, 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 we're going to do this. Sing along at home if you know the words. So first up, the country isn't nearly full. It's ninety-eight percent unbuilt on. There's no such thing as a lefty lawyer. There's just the law. <laughs> And whether you wish to break it. And the reason your constituents can't get a GP appointment has got dick one to do with refugees, mate. It's fuck all to do with how many asylum seekers you have and how many you shove in a travel lodge to point at while you loot the NHS budget for a private healthcare supply firm or some shit. It's like, it's like I was saying like last week. I, is it on the show last week or was it a TikTok? I can never remember. Like they all sort of, you know, blur into one big self-satisfied fog 
of a 42-year-old man ranting to himself. But, like, like when they chat this breeze about my constituents can't get a GP appointment, when they belch about pressure on public services, I wish there was a little fact-check you know, sign language style guy that would <laughs> that would pop up in the bottom right, you know, almost like a Windows 95 paperclip thing. You know, it would just pop in and go, actually, Tories like this motherfucker, they slash funding to public services. That's what's really going, you know, I think that would add value to proceedings. Or, or maybe like one of those joke shop uh, bullshit alarms, you know, like the little button, the red button and the speaker can just slam it. <laughs> Hundreds of millions of people washing up on our shot. You just hit it. Bam. Bullshit. Bullshit. That would be helpful, I think. But it's like I was saying, right? Who puts more pressure on public services? Who puts more pressure on public services? The boat of Syrian working age males. We're always told that they're working age males, right? Who presumably won't need an awful lot of cancer or hip replacement appointments just yet, right? Who puts more pressure on public services? Those guys or the blue tie twat that shut your A&E? It's a tricky one. They put, they put pressure on public services. They do. I'm sorry, who? Who puts pressure on public services? Oh, all right, all right. Yes, it's us. It's us. We do do that. I'm sorry, you, you can't. Blame a guy for trying, you know, T Tory's got a Tory and all that. But still, those sort of guys, Scott Benton, Lee Anderson, those are the people who get it. According to this fucking idiot the other day. It's enough to drive you insane, <laughs> isn't it? They get it, really. They've figured it out. While apparently I am struggling. Like this, this won't win me any. This won't win me any floating voters, I'm sure. But, you know, go fuck yourselves, honestly. Like if you're still undecided after 13 years, truly weld yourself in a barrel and roll yourself into the gravel pit. Because I don't care anymore. This will not win me any center right fans, I'm sure. But seriously. Right, here's the question for you. What are the chances, what are the actual chances that Lee Anderson gets it and I don't? <laughs> what are the chances of that? I know it's going to make me sound stuck up and elitist and, you know, metropolitan and it'll probably get willfully misinterpreted as a, as a north-south or even classist thing. But honestly, it's not. There are dumb Londoners just like there are smart northerners, right? I'm just saying he is a fucking idiot and I'm not. This is provable by virtue of the policies he supports, which are provably detrimental versus the ones that I support which are backed up by statistics, right? So what are the chances that someone like that is right about this thing and I am wrong? What is the fucking probability, people? Kind of, I know this is going to come off like I'm... like I'm part of the liberal intelligentsia or, you know, aspiring to be or, or whatever. But I, honestly, I don't care. Like, if I thought... 
that I was dumber than those cunts. If I thought I was dumber than Lee Anderson or Scott Benton, you would be calling me an ambulance to fucking have me committed <laughs> for a dangerous case of low self-worth, murderously low self-esteem, <laughs> if I thought I was dumber than Scott Benton, which would, you know, then put more pressure on public services, and we can't have that now, can we, Scott? So, indulge me as I crack on with this. What are the chances that Lee Anderson or Desmond Swain that they've figured this out, this migration bill, and I'm wrong. I haven't figured it out. What is the probability that Scott Benton has looked at the pros and cons of the migration bill and that he's ignored the threat from the whip's office and that he hasn't been pressured and that he's actually analysed the stats to decide that criminalising asylum seekers is the best course of action? Here. <laughs> What is the, what are the chances? In fact, you know what? Fuck it. I wasn't going to go too deep onto Scott Benton or whatever, but I'm in, I'm in this too deep now. So let's really get into it. I found my footing. I'm deep in the flow here. What is the likelihood that he's taken a break from being his usual charming self, right? Which is, you know, what? Calling everyone a snowflake and then blocking them. <laughs> The emotional intelligence that you need to or, or the, the absence of it to call people snowflakes and then block them because you're so suitably offended that you can't be dealing with their shit. I, I don't know even what the adjective for that is. I can think of a noun. <laughs> but, this, but this show is already too littered with swear words. So let's just I don't know. What is the betting? Like, what's the probability that he's taken a break from mocking people for their size? Because that, that is him as well, all right? And he was chair of the Tory eating disorder group thing, right? <laughs> and then he went onto Facebook and mocked some guy for eating too many Gregs. He's chair of the eating disorder group calling someone fat, which is, which is fine. I mean, I'm here for the balls of it. But the IQ is obviously, I mean, you know... <laughs> It's not, you know, uh, we're not dealing with geniuses here. And it's possible to admire the chutzpah, for want of a better word, while bulking at the stupidity. Because the IQ is just... I mean, how do you... How do you say it nowadays? What is the okay way to call someone a, uh, you know... What can, I, <laughs> what can I call him without being too problematic? You can't say the R word anymore. Can you? And I don't, I don't want to be too mean. <laughs> I don't want to get too Scott Benton about me, you know, talking about Scott Benton. But then, do you know what? I'm not on any fucking, you know, the conservative board for mental disability or whatever. So I suppose I can look at his conduct, such, you know, low IQ. And I can table the question, was Scott Benton starved of oxygen in the womb? I can say that. <laughs> Because I'm not a representative for the opposite thing. You know, am I making sense here? I can look at Lee Anderson supporting Brexit. And what was his other thing the other week he was babbling about? Some fucking ridiculous culture. War. Oh, fucking it was a death penalty, wasn't it? Fuck me. Suggesting the death penalty. That we should return to that. 
despite the fact it's been proven to not act as a deterrent. And it always, in every country it's rolled out, the death penalty always ends up with a percentage of accidentally murdered innocent people. So I can look at someone like that and go, maybe I'm smarter than that guy. <laughs> I don't think that's that outrageous. I don't think that's elitist or classist or, or anything. Anyway, let's get back to the question. What are the chances that a Lee Anderson or a Scott Benton have figured out asylum and, you know, by proxy public services funding or that these guys get it? I frothed <laughs> while the barber lady urged me to calm down, sit back down so she could finish the fucking haircut. <laughs> I don't know. People, people fucking wind me the fuck up, man. Having to listen to cretins out in the wild. Take another sip of liquid patience. Still. This fucking dead seal necked cunt waiting in the barbers. It's really, it's got under my skin. Like, when I say dead seal necked, I don't know if that, like, how wide that has gone. This is something I started talking about back in the day. Like, you know, when you see, when, when certain men of a certain build, <laughs> I'm going to sound like such a hypocrite now, criticizing or mocking Scott Benton for saying certain things on Facebook. And now I'm going to come out with this shit, but I don't care. I'm not part of the fucking conservative disorder association or whatever it was. So therefore, I'm not a hypocrite. Apparently, I think. I think that works. Have I dug myself out of this before I definitely go on to say it? Um, like, you know, when guys, some men of a certain build have that, like they've got a bald head, a big bald head. And then the fold on the back of the head, like, folds into the neck, which then becomes another fold. And then the back is like, it's just up. Like, it's like three sort of, like, it's like two dead seals slumped on top of one another. <laughs> and that was this guy. He was one of them. He was a dead seal necked guy. Anyway, that was in the barbers the other day. And you will hear this sort of nonsense coming out of lots of mouths all around the place. You know, from that guy in the barbers, it'd be a, maybe a guy in the pub, or a guy you overhear on the train on his phone, or maybe it'll be your dad. Coming out with similar nonsense as I had to listen to the other day. Yeah, you see, see that that's what we need. That's what we need to get back to. See, that's uh, that Lee Anderson. He gets it like, no, he doesn't, Dad. <laughs> it's infuriating. Like the only reason he's an MP right now is because he got suspended from Labour. He was Labour. He supported Corbyn. He loved unions, but he saw the Red Wall was falling and he crossed the fucking floor. He's an opportunistic prick. Right, but he's, uh, he's right about the death penalty and nurses pay. Like, is he? Or is he just saying culture war nonsense because they've got fuck all else? Like, I'm, I'm going to play you a clip now, right? This is, I, I never do clips on this show, but I thought this is important for you to hear it from, from the horse's mouth, right? So here we go. I've got a clip lined up for you. This is Lee Anderson talking about the next general election. And this was four weeks ago. Here we go. 
Well, I'll tell you what they think of the Labour Party now. They voted for me at the last election. <laughs> so, I mean, a lot of the men that was on strike, including my dad, um, uh, voted for me. Uh, yeah. yeah, voted for me because the big thing in, in 2019, there was three things that won us the election. It was nothing to do with me. Uh, it, was, it was Brexit, it was Boris, it was Corbyn. Mm. And it was as simple as that. Those three things together was a great campaign. Mm. Great ingredients. Mm. Um, at the next election, we haven't got those three things. So mm. we're going to have to yeah. think of something else. It'll probably be a, cult, uh, a mixture of culture wars and trans debate. And How about that shit? Right? Did you hear that? Corbyn and Brexit were played as electoral knives to twist. Right? And we kind of, you know, there's nothing revelatory about that. We kind of know that. But now we know from this thing that we just heard from Lee Anderson that all they've got left is culture war nonsense and, quote, the trans debate. That's it. All out. Empty tank. Do you want to fix the country? No, no, no. Let's have another five years of uh, wanking over the war. Oh, fucking amazing. Oh, that's, yeah, great job there. Thanks, guys. I mean, let's just just take it in for a minute, you know? Just the total dearth of intellectual application that's going on here in British politics. And look, I'm sorry to say, I don't actually think it would be an awful lot different if and when Labour get in. I think there'll be the same focus on messaging as there was like back in the Blair years. I think there'll be the same sort of what plays well with this focus group and how can we keep the papers on site? I think there'll be a lot of that stuff when Starmer's team get in also. It's it's a wholesale problem. The dearth of intellectual application. Where there's like there's no debate. There's no real, you know, sort of negotiation or nuance going on. You know, it's not like people like Lee Anderson are looking at the substance of things before they vote on it or before they propose or construct a policy. You know, they're not thinking carefully about how to improve the fucking country, forming policies around that shit and then going to market. It's none of that. It's just whipping up hysteria around fucking who gets to use one of the public toilets. Public toilets, by the way, that don't fucking exist anymore. Like, like seriously, when was the last time you saw an actual public toilet? When was it? Like, oh, how, how, how do we how do we know it's it's really a, a woman going into that public toilet? Yeah, 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 you're right. You're right. Yeah, we should. I tell you what we'll do. We'll carefully monitor who goes into the ladies toilets in 1974. Like that was the last time <laughs> there was decent public toilets anywhere. I swear to God. Well, who, who, who's going to... Like, what happens if a trans woman walks into a female public toilet? There aren't any! So you don't have to worry about that shit. Like, I was walking down... Um, where was it? It was Bishopsgate in London the other week. And there's a pub there that I used to do stand-up at. And there's a public toilet right outside of this pub. It's called Dirty Dicks, by the way. It was a quite, you know, sort of funny name for a pub. But anyway, it's not really relevant. Outside Dirty Dicks on Bishopsgate, there is an old public toilet where I guess, you know, back in the day, city bankers or, you know, whoever, they would, you know, come out of the office and maybe go to the pub, have a pint, and then they would walk down some steps and around a corner and then you would find what, like a public urinal, little toilet, whatever, you could have a slash, 
And now it's just got these big iron gates across the front of it. Big iron, no public toilet, just shuttered. It hasn't become anything else. It's not some sort of weird underground shop. Uh, there's one in Shoreditch that they turned into a nightclub, which is kind of weird, but definitely not a, a public toilet anymore. They got rid of public toilets because one of two things happened. It was either one, people just didn't need to piss anymore. That, that just stopped happening in the late 1970s or you know 80s or whenever it was that they actually shut this thing. People just stopped needing to piss. It was a weird thing. Strange. Anomaly. Almost like an M. Night Shyamalan kind of movie. It's just a, an anomaly that nobody could understand. Well, yeah, I guess we won't need these anymore. Iron gates straight across. Or maybe in the austerity years. I don't know. Did the government cut back on pissing? Was that, <laughs> was that a, a, a covert stealth austerity cut? Or was it number two? You know, local authorities closed them because on top of everything else, maybe in the austerity years, maybe in the years before, I don't know. On top of everything else, where they like, look, we are fucking fighting to keep a cancer ward open here and the infant school over there. Do you think, just to save a bit of money, do you think you could just piss in the alleyway? Could you piss up the wall for the children aid? <laughs> Policeman fucking, you know, rocks up like, Oi, what are you doing down there? Pissing up against the wall? That's a fucking public order offence. It's cool. No, I'm, I'm doing it for the kids. <laughs> so anyway, all this nonsense about who gets to use the public toilets that don't even exist is fucking ridiculous. And they know it's ridiculous because, you know, I don't know if you've noticed this, dear listeners, but if you push them on it, if you prod them on the public toilets or absence thereof, then they try to get a bit more specific. They sort of move it away from just public toilets to a specific... Like, you'll get some... It'll be like a Vox Pop or like a, a TV interview. you see it on whatever, and it'll be some transphobic piece of shit who will go, well, well what about public toilets? You know, I don't, I don't want... I don't want trans women in, in the public toilet. And you'll be like, well, there, there, there aren't any public... Well, well um... Well, well, what about when I go to the gym? What about my gym changing rooms? And at that point, I would actually quite like Scott Benton to pop in. You know, like, you don't look like you go to the gym, you fat cut. Like, I'm not saying I'm perfect for wanting that. I'm just saying if he did chime in <laughs> to call the transphobic woman I made up in my head a fat cunt, you know, and expose the lunacy of people who rarely set foot in a fucking leisure centre clutching their pearls about what they might do when this imaginary trans woman who they are unlikely to meet who maybe they wouldn't even notice it was a trans woman <laughs> who even if it was and they did notice them who is hugely unlikely to cause them any problems whatsoever <laughs> i'm just saying if scott benton did chime in and expose all that and the mechanism that he did it with was his trademark mocking of obesity. I would be willing to overlook B if it meant that we got to A, you know? My enemy's enemy and all that. What about my gym changing room? You don't look like you go to a gym, you fat cunt. Like, I would be fine with that. I would kind of... All I'm saying is I would warm to him a little bit more. There is a way back for you, Scott. I mean, I think I've said this before, right? I think this was on a podcast before. Because um, I remember talking to my friend Stoff and then sort of quoting or paraphrasing him about how 
ridiculous it is. Um, if you if you want to follow him, by the way, he's on Twitter as I think it's at Stoffy. You can find him somehow, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, he was saying he was like um, he was like the idea that some predator guy, some rapist guy who is willing to risk a ten stretch to attack women sexually, he'll break that law. But what, like he's been he's been inhibited by the leisure center rule that says he can't walk into the pink changing room. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll fucking I'll stalk and grope and jump women with a fucking crowbar. But I draw the line at leisure center terms and conditions because that is just not on. Kind of ridiculous, right? Anyway, so. Yeah, so the culture war and trans debate stuff is all they have left. And I'm positive you will find them whipping up that nonsense in a newspaper near you very, very soon. No doubt on that. That, that Lee Anderson, he, he just gets it. Jesus fucking Christ. I don't know. I think probably one of the biggest problems the UK has, right, when I'm listening to people engaging with their dad or I hear somebody listening to their mum at a bus stop or whatever. One of the biggest problems we have in this country is how much stock we put in the wisdom of our parents. <laughs> Do you think? But this idea that your dad knows best, I think that should be retired at some point. I don't know what the age is. Like if you're if you're nine, fine. He does know best. Because the sort of thing that you're weighing up when you're nine years old is, you know, what, like, whether it's okay to jump in the river to get your ball back, you know? That's the sort of, you know, does your dad know best or do you know, you know? You say it's fine. You say it would probably even be fun. But your dad says no. And you disobey him. You jump in. The currents pull you under. You get tangled in weeds. And the fucking... The last sight you see is your two-year-old brother laughing at you because he's too young to know what's going on. Your brother laughing at you drowning. And, and your ball washing up on the shore and now another kid's playing with it. You're drowning, age nine, and you've ruined your nan's picnic. You should have listened to your dad. Your dad knows best at age nine. But once you're both adults... You know, once you're both grown men, we need to abandon this idea that your parents are some sage source of wisdom and guidance. It's absolute bollocks. <laughs> like, your mum is just a person, man. And so's your dad, you know? Like, they might, they might feel like pillars of advice and wisdom to you. <laughs> They might feel wise to you, but that's only because, comparatively, you're a proper fucking idiot. No, wait, that's all right. That's, that's, that's too harsh. That's, you know, just making myself laugh here now. But no, they might feel like a pillar of advice and, you know, a sage to you with that whole, like, you know, my, my mama always told me, you know, all of that shit. Or um, my, my daddy told me there'd be days like this. That sort of... They might feel like a sage to you, but I promise you to literally everyone else in the world, your mum is just some fucking idiot in a Renault. <laughs> 
Your dad is just another cretin complaining Esso don't take checks anymore. You know? They're just people. They're they're right about some things and, and wrong about others. They forget stuff. They recontextualize shit you said two weeks ago to fit their current argument. They, you know, try and make you agree with shit retrospectively. They're just, you know, they're fallible and, and unreliable and they're nice and they're mean. And, you know, they're just like the rest of us. But some of you still need to learn that. <laughs> Because, I don't know, like, you start off in life thinking they're amazing, obviously. You start off in, in childhood, you're like, you're the best mum in the world. And, you know, your dad is your hero. But then you get to 33 and, um, you know, you're like, I don't know. Um, I don't know if I would have done it quite like that, mum. You know, <laughs> you appraised them. Like, dad... Dad, answer me this. Why didn't you manage your assets better, you fucking idiot? You know? You should get to the point where you're able to look at them as just human beings rather than this sort of infallible source of wisdom and guidance, I think. It's a bit like fucking... Um, uh, you know when... You know when your kid is a kid, right? I don't know how many of you who are listening to this are parents, but um, some of you will know this because you, you've got children um, and some of you won't have children and you should take this as advice for maybe you're thinking about having kids. But when your kid is a, is a proper kid, like young, impressionable, their mind is just a blank canvas, right? And you want them to grow up confident and to feel that they can pursue their dreams. Yeah. And so you tell them that they can be anything that they want. They could be, you know, an astronaut. They could be centre forward for Liverpool or whatever, you know. And you say stuff like, we love you. We all love you. You are our special little dude. You're so loved, Bobby. You're the bestest little kid in the whole world and everybody loves you. But then at some point, just like with realising your parents are fallible, you have to help your child realise... <laughs> that they are, you know, not perfect. <laughs> like, you, like, you love them and you want them to be confident and you don't want to be brutal or anything, but it's important to prepare them for life to let them know that they are not the most important person in the world. Like, that's, it's like when they're 12... You know, and you've already ruined Santa for them by that point, And maybe they've already lost a grandparent. <laughs> like the, the world is just getting crueler and crueler. And then you blow them away with this shit. You know, when they're complaining about something and you're worried that the confidence has gone a bit too far. You need to take them down a couple of pecs because you don't want to raise a sociopath. And then they're like, you know, coming out with something along the lines of... Um, They'll be like, but, but, but then Mrs. Phillips took the microphone off me and gave it to Tammy to sing the song instead. But, but I should be singing that because, because everyone knows that I'm supposed to be the singer. I'm the star of the show. But, but Mrs. Phillips is too stupid to see how amazing I am because everyone's always told me I'm amazing. So, and then you interrupt them, and you go, listen, listen, Eva, Eva. Okay, li listen. This is important. All right, listen to your dad. All right, I love you. I do. We all do. We we love you, your family. We love you. But nobody else gives a shit. <laughs> like, that is a hard, but very important conversation that it should be 
up there with the birds and the bees. It's an important chat that every parent should have with their child <laughs> around the age of 12. And yes, weirdly, it is, you know, the flip side to the child growing up and realising their dad doesn't know anything. Like, maybe I don't know, maybe the, maybe the kid grows up, decides their dad is actually an idiot and then recalibrates and they're like, what the fuck do you know? See, I am amazing. After all, you tried to give me that chat. What the fuck do you know? <laughs> I don't know, man. Going way off on a on a tangent here. Like, is it just me, right? Or is it quite fun? Like, there's some comedic mileage. There's something that's tickling my funny bone. Like, you know, like the the, the advice that people take from their parents, just willingly, just without question, just retail it from your parents' lips straight into your brain, and that's it. Life mantra. Like their their mum and dad are this, you know, agent of intellect, bringing God's own truth to any situation. The the, the whole like, my mama always told me like that thing, right? Like, what if your mum is actually a certifiable crayon eating moron? <laughs> But she gives you some advice. And then you're forced to live by it. Your whole life. Like you thought that was literally words to live by. And it turns out the whole time you're living your life by this mantra that is literally just the babbling blethery of a mad woman. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, what would it be? It would be like, um, my mama always told me dogs can't speak English. But they just don't want to talk to me. Like, like, imagine if your mum said that shit to you. And you spend your whole life thinking you're not worth talking to. And dogs are, dogs are actually pretty friendly. You know, wagging their tails. Just, you know, dumbly happy all the time. But even they can't be fucked with the shit that comes out of your noise hole. Like, even when they're in a great mood. Even when they're wagging their tail and they're dumbly happy, they're still like, yeah, I'm not you, though. I'm not talking to you. <laughs> like, what an amazing deluge of trauma your idiot mother would bequeath to you. And because of the prestige that we afford to the wisdom of the parents, you know, taking a break from their fucking 30p Lee, he gets it. We'd have to live by it. <laughs> Wow, this has been a weird episode, hasn't it? How long have I been going? How long have I been fucking... 39 minutes, Jesus. Spending the entire time telling my listeners that their parents are morons. Great USP aid! Fantastic. What podcast chart does this even go in? What genre is this? Like, maybe, maybe this should actually be a thing, you know? Like, you've got the podcast charts, like, different types of podcasts right there's the politics one over here there's the poetry and spoken word one over there there's the well fucking history genre and biographies and, and then over here there's me i'm coming in at number two this week in the audio abuse chart <laughs> just hundreds of different shows presented by different angry and damaged people people like me <laughs> and all we do is rant at you in your headphones calling your parents idiots and shit <laughs> telling you like you look like you've had enough gregs you fat shit i i see i say that i'd be in at number two fucking scott benton would be in at number one <laughs> there you go scott that's a a, a post-parliamentary career to consider 
for your definite exit in 2024. Uh, guys, that's it for this one. Um, I'm going to have to go. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I hope that you're enjoying these, uh, particularly the solo shows. Um, I'm enjoying those uh, lots and lots and lots. Um, I, I sort of feel like I should have gone more into the news. It's, it's, everyone's talking about this budget shit today, about childcare, about how Hunt is doing this big, generous giveaway because he's expanding the 33 hours from not just three-year-olds and four-year-olds, which is where you would get it historically, but out like so parents of one and two-year-olds now will also get it. And I'm like, this this policy is famously shit. This was not thought through properly <laughs> when, it, when it was first dreamt up by, I think it was Theresa May, was it? Or maybe it was David Cameron. It's like, it sounds good, doesn't it? 33 hours of childcare. Well, fucking great. Amazing. Thanks for helping out, Tories. It plays well in the run up to a general election, which is, of course, where we're at now. But as ever with the fucking talk, like scratch beneath the surface and it all falls to pieces. This was a this was a policy that was dreamt up before where they just didn't listen to the childcare industry, to the nurseries, to the childminders, to the experts who were like, yeah, the the money that you're um, the money that you're allocating to this is insufficient. This is not going to pay for enough and they were like well fuck it just make it work so then all these nurseries were like well i guess we're gonna have to bump up the fees for these people to make up for the 33 hours for these people oh and also we'll start charging them for food and we'll only cover like three days a week oh and also 33 hours doesn't cover for easter and summer and christmas and half term so you're kind of fucked you're not going back to work all this is is like a little kind of stopgap, a whisper of what it should be and off the back of that, because the nurseries couldn't afford to continue to supplement this, it was somewhere around 40% that were like, we will probably have to shutter in the next 12 months as a direct and indirect result of this fucking policy. So thanks a fucking bunch. That was the reaction to it when it was just three and four year olds. And now <laughs> we're in the run up to another general election. And they're like, you know what? People love childcare, right? This 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 will be good. We should just take this hugely successful policy that we rolled out before. Yeah, why not expand that? And it like the childcare lobby are like, no, 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 no. You are going to decimate an industry. Yeah, I know, but it'll look good on the front of the page. What, what is it with you motherfuckers? With your fuck business and the car industry and plundering shit into the ground. Hopefully a newspaper will be along any minute to hold government to account. And yet, I was looking at the coverage this morning on Twitter. It's like right-wing journalist after right-wing journalist already celebrating this thing. They cannot have looked at the detail. I mean, it was A, it was too early. I don't think they'd formally announced it yet. But B, it just doesn't stack up. And yet one after the other, it's just these faux, smug, aspiring, snarky types like, oh, why don't you tell me again that the Tories don't do anything for the working class? Look at this. Oh, boo, Tories, right? You know, it's like, Jesus fucking Christ. Somebody somebody just kill me in the head, please. Stop the ride. I want to get off. Right. That is seriously it. That's all I've got time for, guys. I need to run. Thank you so much to my Patreons for continuing to back the show. Special shout outs now to Matthew, uh, Bowman, Jeff, Elisa, 
sorry, I, I keep saying Elisa. It's Ailsa, uh, Mark, Eddie, and Kai. And then we've got Stuart, Anthony, Pingu, David, Alex, and Chris. And we've got Silent, T-Rex, Sarah, and Kerry. Thank you so, so much for continuing your support. I'm really enjoying being in the Discord chat with you all. Um, that's a lot of fun. If you're listening to this and you've not yet jumped on the Patreon, please do uh, consider supporting the podcast. Uh, it does take a bit of effort to put it together. It does cost money to host it and put all the stuff out also. Um, so any, any little, you know, £3 a month coffee nod or whatever is, is much appreciated. And it does start at 3 um, then there's a £5 one. You get different benefits depending on, on the tiers. But broadly, you get uh, podcast episodes two days ahead of everyone else before they land on Spotify and Apple and YouTube. Uh, you get access to the Discord, the uh, instant messaging chat thing where we post memes and we talk about politics and uh, mostly talk shit about Tories. I'm going to you know, just say it how it is. Um, you get first look at live shows for live ticket stuff, uh, like the one that me and Danny Price did in Soho the other week. Um, I'm doing another one, a solo gig. That's going to be in July. I will put that out to Patreons first also. Uh, and we're doing an in-person meetup as well. That's happening on Friday, the 28th of April in London. So if you want to attend that, now is the time to get involved in Patreon or miss out like you miss out on everything. Uh, that's it from me. I'll be back on Friday night with a guest. Until next time, take care of yourselves. I'm outie.